0: This morning, for your presence, we thank you, Lord, for the anointing that breaks every yoke. We pray, Lord, that your word will help us this morning. That Holy Spirit and Lord will come and break this bread to us, because we need to be fed in our inner man. Lord, we pray that your blessing shall be upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I was thinking as I was praying about this meeting that we all go through things in our Christian life. Some of them are wonderful, but we're not always on the mountaintop. Sometimes we're in the valley. Yeah. And whatever we're going through, the Lord is with us, but at certain times we don't feel that he's always with us, but he doesn't ever leave us nor forsake us. And... Um, I don't know, in these couple of mornings we've got... I'm going to try and deal with one situation in our lives where we actually do things that cause problems for us without actually knowing at the time we did these things they would cause problems because we we lack knowledge sometimes because we need to grow spiritually, if you understand what I'm saying. But there are other times when things don't go well at all, and there's no particular reason why they're not going well. And the reality of it is that we live in a world where Satan is the god of this world. But thank God we're not of this world, because we are of another world, (laughs) which is the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? which is the kingdom of God. We're sons and daughters, as we heard last night, of the living God. But we live here at the moment. <laughs> Whether we like it, you know, it's like the old preacher said, we're pitching our moving tent one day's march nearer home. <laughs> I'm on my way, as we used to sing in the old days, to the glory land. And at the moment, I can, I'm go-, I can go through stuff, and you can go through stuff, And Irene and I have been through some stuff, (laughs) and we're going through some stuff, (laughs) and we don't like it at times, but the Lord is always with us. But every test and trial that we're getting, if we can look at it with the eyes of faith, as Wigglesworth said, it's the food of faith. Because until you're tested in something, you don't know how you're good at it, do you? Uh You know, when you... I know... (laughs) Some people take their road test to get a license to go on the road, and some people have great difficulty in passing it, don't they? Other people seem to pass it more easily, but you've got to, in order to be able to drive on the road, you've got to have the license, haven't you, to drive on the road. And to get that test, for some people I know, six, seven times, you know, and they think, when am I going to pass? And there are things in life that come to us, that test us, that are difficult. And I'm going through a bit of a test at the moment. I won't tell you what it is, but <laughs> you're probably going through your tests. And God is saying to me, you can do better. You can progress, and you can become stronger in your faith. Because it's by, by grace we are saved, but it's through faith, isn't it? Yeah. And, and grace is available, but the channel which grace comes to us to enable us to overcome is through faith, isn't it? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by this word. (laughs) This is the word of God, isn't it? You know, and there are two extreme examples of people in Scripture. We we were talking about Joseph. He's another one in um, Peterborough. But David went through some stuff. David had a, a wonderful life as the eighth son, as a shepherd on the hills of Bethlehem. He was looking after his sheep and with his... Harp, he'd say, worshipping God. He was getting this presence of God on his life. He was slaying bears and and, uh, lions. And it was wonderful. And then suddenly, one day, Samuel came to his father's house. (laughs) And when Samuel came to his father's house, he wasn't invited, as we know, because he had seven other wonderful sons. And he eventually got there. And once he got this anointing... That's when all the trouble started. (laughs) Isn't it? That's when all the trouble started in David's life. He was having a wonderful life with the sheep on the hills, worshipping God, you know, and then he got this anointing, and my goodness, you read the life of David, it was trouble for 13 years. Big trouble. (laughs) Well, Saul, he was a very educated man, wasn't he? Pharisee of the Pharisee. He obviously must have seen Jesus in the flesh. He's going one day on the Damascus Road, you know, to do his business. And he bumps into Jesus. <laughs> 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 yeah, he bumps into Jesus. <laughs> and that was the end of his Saul. <laughs> he became Paul, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. And look at the trouble he had. <laughs> look at the trouble Paul was in now, wasn't it? The trouble. And you know, I'm coming to see now, when I'm seeing a test now and a trial... I, I'm saying, Lord, I can do this because your grace is available. Isn't it? Yeah. The grace is available. Because actually the kingdom of God is a kingdom of grace. Do you know that? Do you know, I heard a sister say yesterday morning, you see, those days were under a different covenant. Well, were they? Abraham was under grace. Isaac was under grace. Jacob was under grace. Noah was under grace. They were all under grace. Why? Because grace was set up on the throne in Genesis 3.15. Not Matthew. And grace was available all that time. What did did Abraham see? He saw, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. His, His life was a life of grace and blessing. If you want to see somebody who's blessed it was abraham yeah. wasn't it he had plenty of goods plenty of silver plenty of gold i don't ever hear about you know abraham turning up at a and e he didn't have any crutches <laughs> he didn't have a wheelchair <laughs> this boy he was strong because he had faith he says he gave strong in faith and when we look at abraham we see the nature of faith Faith that got stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what's got to happen in your life and my life. we got to develop so our faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So we meet a trial. We say, we can eat this. We can, we can do this because I've got the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ upon my life. How did ever Jesus meet all those things? As we said, Gethsemane, the trial. How did he meet... the the scourging and the cross, because he had the grace of God upon his life and it brought him through. So where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, isn't it? By grace, you say, but it's through the channel of faith. And what I need is to hear this word, because faith comes by hearing this word and hearing by the word of God. So when I come to this word, I've got to say, this is the Lord speaking to me, my great high priest. And as I come to him, you know, there's there's two examples I want to bring you, and I don't know how far we're going to get in this. One is Ziklag, and you know all about Ziklag, don't you? I don't think David did anything particularly wrong to deserve Ziklag. Do you? I don't think he did anything particularly wrong. He was given this city on the borders of Judah. And the other example is Zechariah the prophet. You know, Zechariah is a wonderful book. It's a book of restoration. And and you and I are in in a process of restoration. We're in a process of being built up. We're in a process of our understanding enlightened. Our understanding of this tremendous salvation we got. The height, the breadth, the length, the depth. And we, we're understanding more and more the love of God. Why? Because when we face things in life, what we've got to understand is that that grace carried Jesus, not only through his ministry and his life, but through all those five separate things, and through the grave, and he's been resurrected, and that's a picture of you, that your old life, and you now got a new life, and it's in Christ. And it all happened... Through Jesus Christ, because we're new creations in Christ, isn't it? There's an incident, and um, I was reading this in Corinthians. This is Second Corinthians, chapter one, and this is what Paul says to the Corinthian church in verse two. He says, "Grace and peace, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he says about Father God." He says, "The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort." God your Father, is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort for whatever you're going through." That's our Heavenly Father. He says, "Who comforted us in all our tribulation, that why that we might be able to comfort them which are in any trouble? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. He says, for whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. See, if I don't understand what suffering and trouble is, how can I tell you That the grace of God is available to you because I've experienced in my Christian experience that the grace of God has been available to me. And I've seen how God's grace has brought me through this, that, and the other, and all these different things. When I thought I was sinking, the grace came in and supported me. That grace is the power source of the kingdom of God. It runs on grace. Because when we look at Jesus, whatever they did to Jesus could not destroy him. Could it? Nothing can destroy Jesus. They embalmed him, they put him in a tomb, they put a big seal on it and soldiers and all the rest. And when they came to put spices on the dead body, the tomb is empty, the soldiers have gone... And, and, and the question coming from the angels to them, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Yeah. We serve somebody when we look at Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is why every epistle opens up, the grace of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace has triumphed. Over everything that's against us. And when we see Jesus, we see a personification of full of grace and truth. So Jesus is full of it. But we've got Christ in us. So if Christ is in us, we are full of grace and truth. And no matter what we face, if we put our faith in Christ... His grace is available for me to overcome whatever's coming against me. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in that world. Isn't it wonderful What well, we've got somebody, a champion. Haven't we? We've got a champion. I mean, what was it that David was facing at Goliath? It was Christ in him that defeated Goliath. And it's Jesus who defeated our Goliath, Satan, and he's beheaded him. Let's face it, he spoiled him. Principalities and powers have been spoiled. Jesus went through all that on the cross to get to hell, to be cut off, to be made sin, to get down there to get the keys of death and hell. We don't fully understand it. Something has happened in the spiritual realm and Satan's power, he's been cast out of that heavenly place. He's now in the lower heavens because Jesus took his blood up there and kicked him out. And now we can sit up there. We sit up there, Hebrews 12, we're in Zion now. We sit up in heavenly places and we can lift our hands and we can praise God. And that power comes on you and it comes on me. Why? Because we are children of God. We are new creations. Isn't it wonderful? That God has invested his son in you and me and now we're in Christ. And we're on our way. Yes, we got this old body. (laughs) Oh. And this whole body is a problem. But you know he says it says in Romans eight, what does it say? He's quickened us. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, isn't it? He quickens. You're mortal your mortal body isn't it quickening your mortal body if you can get in the spirit and get out of the flesh it's getting in the spirit isn't it it's getting in the spirit and that's what sanctification's all about it's separating you from your flesh to get you into the spiritual you know i've an awful job with my flesh oh I have. I already know it's the problem. I've had a struggle to come through from the flesh to the spirit. But God has been so patient with me. I'm still here. It's a miracle. And do you know why? Because it's a progressive revelation. I fall over sometimes and the Lord says, get up. Get up. Pick yourself up and get on with it. Come on, you can do this. It's like my little grandson, when he's playing rounders, he does not like losing. <laughs> and if he loses, he starts to cry. And I said, you're crying? I said, you're supposed to be a man. I said, men don't cry. He says, but I got to cry. I said, no, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you have not got to cry. Stop it, because Richard never used to. I don't know, he must be like the others. He cries, you know. And I was thinking, ask, ask me, you know... It's like the children of Israel they have this wonderful, wonderful deliverance out of Egypt, and then they're crying, moaning, and the moaning, and the groaning, and the moaning, and the groaning. <laughs> no, we're supposed to be praising, isn't it? We're supposed to move, we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. We're supposed to live in the Spirit, aren't we? But my problem and your problem is to see Jesus. Because if we can see Jesus, we can see Jesus in me, and Jesus is in me, and He's greater than what's against me. Well, no weapon that's formed against you can prosper, because God, if if God be for you, who in the world can be against you? Isn't it? Who in the world can be against you? So your flesh can be quickened. If he can quicken this morning. Yeah. Yeah, this life is available. This power is available. You hath he quickened. And I need quickening. Every day I need quickening. I don't know about you, especially at my age, some days I feel, oh, am I getting it? But you just keep moving. You just keep moving, don't you? You just keep moving. This joint says something, and I say, no, it's quickened. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> no, this joint's not saying anything. It's quickened. It's not been stiffened. It's quickened. <laughs> Isn't it? You've got to speak to it. Salvation is you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth. Yeah, you've got to start speaking to it, isn't it? Start speaking to your mountain, whatever it is. When I was halfway here, I didn't feel like driving anywhere, and the, and the Holy Spirit said, "Get on with it. Just put your foot in the accelerator and get on with it, isn't it? Just get on with it." And that's what we've got to do. We just got to get on with it <laughs> because we got the greater one in us. Don't look at yourself. Look at the look at the mirror of the word. And if you can get the mirror of the word looking at you, you don't see yourself, you see Christ, and you see Christ in you, and you think, I'm a new person. I've got this. I've got the goods. I've got the goods. It's wonderful, isn't it? And the Lord wants us to encourage you to grow. Don't be put off. See, Paul says, who comforted us in all our tribulation." He says, that we may be able to comfort them, them that, that may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort we ourselves in comfort, he says. <laughs> and of course then he says, um, in this chapter, he goes on to say, for all the promises of God in Christ are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God. I've got all the promises, you got them. And you can get hold of them. (laughs) Why? Because you've got faith. By grace, you're saved. And this is the wonder of this kingdom. And it's a kingdom of grace, as I said before, that leads to the glory. But it's justification. It's this sanctification where so many people seem to mess it up. They never get to the glory. But I'm determined. I'm determined. I'm not missing out when the table's laid for me, as we said last night, and everything's on the table, and I'm stupid enough not to go to the table and get it when Jesus has already paid for it. Isn't it? How stupid can we get when Jesus has done all this and paid for all this and we don't take it? And that's unbelief. That is unbelief. And that is the greatest sin. The greatest sin is to say to God, I can manage my own affairs. I'm my source. No, you're not. God is your source. And it's through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that's given me the ability to come to God's table. And it's available. And whatever I need on that table, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. Are you going to take it? I'm going to take it. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my crown. You've been given a crown of life in Christ. Let no man, he uh, says in uh, Revelation, steal your crown. And you know, we do fail. The church, in this, it's, it's our state or we're in at the moment, is being beset by all sorts of problems, isn't it? And many of these problems are lack of truth. You know, it's like Hosea 4 says, my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. And there is a lack of knowledge. But it's all in the will, isn't it? It's all in the will. Everything is in the will, is signed and sealed by the blood of Jesus. It's yours, your inheritance. But we've got to press in. Paul says, "I press toward the mark." And this pressing in, we've got to do. Nobody's going to do it for us. You know, there's extraordinary. The book of Zachariah is an extraordinary book um, of restoration. And sometimes in our lives, we have things that are difficult. Um, I don't know about you, when... You're going to have to deal with yourself every day. You're going to have to present your body a living sacrifice every day. There's no way around this. You know, one chap came to a preacher and he said, I want you to pray that I won't have any more trouble in the flesh. And the the preacher said, well, do you you, you need to end up in a coffin now, he said, because if that's what you want... (laughs) You're going to have to die now to have that problem solved. We're all we're all in this process, aren't we? You know, I'm I pretty good most of the time. <laughs> I, 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 I am. <laughs> it's not very often that I can get irritated, and, and I, I'm a pretty sort of a, um, you know sort of stable sort of bloke, my feet on the ground. It's very very rare I, I feel like. <clears throat> Blowing the top, or doing something. But other things, but the problem is, we need to grow. The stronger you grow, the more weight you can handle. See, the glory is weight, yeah. isn't it? It's exceeding weight of glory. You know, it, 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 You know, we, we, want, we want the glory, but are we big enough to take it? Are we? Is is our heart ready to receive everything God wants for us? You know, it's like you saying you've got a little house. I remember we, we lived in a little house. We went to this furniture shop, and we saw this beautiful sofa. Well, in a big so in a big um, furniture shop, a big sofa doesn't look so big, does it? <laughs> but you get the sofa home in a little house, and it looks enormous. <laughs> we still got this enormous sofa. <laughs> and my son Philip says to me, when are we going to get rid of this enormous sofa? <laughs> but he looked, didn't look that big in the shop. But when he get it home, <laughs> it, it's, 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 all a, it's all a question of enlargement, isn't it? God wants to enlarge your capacity. He wants you to have the fullness, but he wants to enlarge you. He wants us to grow and develop and be what he wants us to be. And, and, I, and I know that I, I, can, I can take more if I could just develop a bit more. You know, there was a program on where they had some gran on this program, a data I don't normally watch, and I happened to turn it on, and there was this gran. She was about 60-something, and she was lifting these enormous weights. And it looked like she had plastic weights on the end. It didn't look real, you know, because she looked so shriveled and little. And she was living these enormous weights, but she developed her muscles, this grand. And I thought, well. The Lord said to me, See, you can develop your muscles, spiritual muscles, and you can start to carry more weight. And the Lord said, and I said, Yes, Lord. He said, it's about time you got to it. It's about time you got to it, he said to me. You see, and the Lord can say to you, You can do a bit more as we said yesterday morning, of serving the Lord. You see, when you're waiting on God and when you're praying and, and you're watching and praying and people, it brings people to your mind, as I said to Julian last night, I was sitting in this meeting and I wasn't quite in the meeting at that moment because I was praying for somebody that wasn't in the meeting that the Holy Spirit brought to me uh, about who was somewhere else. And sometimes the Spirit will tell you to do that. But if you're not in tune, if you're not in the spirit, if you're not willing to do what God wants you to do, you will never be there to pray for that brother or that sister because you're not watching and praying because you've entered into what you want to do in your flesh. So the temptation to do what you want to do is already, and then you're no longer in the spirit to do what God wants you to do. And this is the problem, isn't it? But you know, Zechariah came to God's people and, and it, you know the, well, the rebuilding of the temple and all this and, um, and uh, God was sort of giving them another chance, you remember, prophesied through Jeremiah that they would come back. But God is merciful to us. He knows our frame. He's been through all this that we're going through and he's a merciful high priest. And as we said before, sometimes we have to cry out in mercy. We cry, Abba Father, have mercy. And the Lord will have mercy on our weaknesses. But I want my weakness to be strengthened, don't you? I want to get stronger. Every area of my life, I'd like to get stronger. And Zechariah is, is, is a wonderful book. I remember when I first went to Newark, I was just a teenager, and I came back and I opened Zechariah 4. I never opened Zechariah in my life before. <laughs> I uh, it's quite extraordinary, really. Uh, and, and it says in Zechariah 4, this is the word of the Lord in verse 6, unto Zerubbabel, saying, It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. Thou shalt bring forth a headstone with shoutings, crying, grace, grace. Unto it. And there it is. How powerful grace is. It removes the mountain. (laughs) It moves the mountain. And of course, when Jesus is teaching in Mark 11 about believing and speaking to mountains, this is direct reference to Zechariah 4. This is what Jesus is talking about. And I remember going to Newark, and I've been in so many, you know, brought up in religious meetings, and all these people shouting their head off and dancing in the Spirit. Lord, see see that? There's a lot of shouting there, he said to me. A lot of shouting there. You're supposed to shout. (laughs) I was so religious, I didn't think people ought to shout. (laughs) I didn't think people ought to dance either. I mean, in New York in those days, they were dancing in the Spirit. Not just dancing like this, they were dancing in the Spirit. (laughs) And I was looking like this, and I was thinking, I... And your mind says things that your spirit says, that's good. And your mind says, is it? Is it? <laughs> your mind is being you know, challenged because you've been brought up in this religion. And suddenly you're confronted with spiritual liberty. As I said last night, the old preachers used to say, no feasting, no Christianity. But judging by some people, their Christianity has no feasting. Absolutely none. There's no joy. There's no peace. It looks like they're in a perpetual funeral. Isn't it? I went to this chapel, this chapel, the minister called to see us up the road. He said, will you come to the service tonight? And I thought the organist was in a funeral. He obviously is used to playing in funerals. And it was dead slow. (laughs) absolutely dead slow. I was bored out of my mind. I felt like shouting, Hallelujah! That was all better not. <laughs> okay. And he, kept, kept say, he called around and he said to me, are you coming again? I said, well, I you know. said, <laughs> you know, he's a nice young man, poor chap. He's in this religion. We need to be delivered, isn't it? As you said about the, the father's house, The elder brother, self-righteous. The younger brother, unrighteous. And we got a problem. But we want to be righteous. (laughs) We've been justified by faith, haven't we? We need to be righteous. And I was saying, Lord, do something. So I gave him some books anyway. I'm going to give him some more books. So I recommended a book to him. And he said to me, oh, I find that too hard to read. He said, can't read them books. I said, that's a pity. I said, they do a lot of good if you could. See, uh, see, some things in life, they, they appear to be hard. When you start reading what Paul says, and you start to try and understand it, your brain says, what? But If you can get the Holy Spirit to help you, the what will go out of your mind, and you begin, the door will begin to open, and you begin to see what Paul's on about. That you are, in fact, this new person. No matter what you feel like, The just do not live by feelings. No. The just live by faith. Come on. We live by faith. This is a faith walk, isn't it? We don't know. There's only one. This is the victory, John the Apostle says, that overcomes this world, even our faith. We look at Jesus. Jesus had to pray, as the brother read yesterday morning, Ephesians 6. Jesus was strong cryings and tears in the humanity cried out to his father. Think what he was doing in Gethsemane. There are times when you've got to get flat on your face and say, I can't stand it. You start crying out. And when you cry out, yeah, your father will come through. I mean, Luke's baby born he starts crying. They say, well, what is the matter with Israel? You know, uh, you know, we've got to go and see what's the matter with him. And our father says, well, what's the matter with him or her? And he comes down, doesn't he? And you know, Zechariah says these wonderful words. And um, he says, uh, For I have not despised the day of small things, and shall rejoice and see the plummet for these seven eyes of the Lord. But this is the extraordinary thing. And I I read this chapter. I read Zechariah many times, Zechariah 8. And this is what Zechariah 8 says. And again, the word of the Lord, host, came to me. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion. That's the church. That's you and me. God is jealous for you and me that we get this. That we get this and we get our and we take what God has provided for us, and He says to us with jealousy, with great with great fury. Thus says the Lord, and here's the big statement I am. Again, I am. Isn't it? He says, I am returned. I am returned to the church. And I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. That's you and me. We're we're the new Jerusalem. We're the city. We're the living stones. We're We're the people of this city, of Jerusalem. And shall be called a city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord of hosts, a holy mountain. That's what God wants for you and me. A city of truth and holiness. Sanctification. He doesn't want us messed up in anything evil. He wants us... In holiness, separated unto him, isn't he? And there shall this the Lord of hosts, there shall be yet old men, etc. etc. the streets and all this. And he goes on, this says the Lord of hosts in verse 7: Behold, I will save my people and bring them. And he's gonna bring people. If we can have the glory in the house, people are gonna come. Oh yeah, they'll come to the glory. We need the glory. Oh yeah, we need the presence. I am. When I am is come to the house, that's the glory of God. And we need the glory. So I've got to take the process, whether I like it or not. I'm not always right. What I think is not always right. The, the, all scripture is given for correction. Timothy, isn't it? Paul says to Timothy, is to correct me. I haven't always got it right. But God can correct me with this word. And the Holy Spirit will say to me, this is the way walking. Don't walk that way. Isn't it? And, and, and it then goes on to say, um, it then I'll bring them and they shall be their righteousness. And he goes down. And in verse 13 he says, it should come to pass that you were a curse. This was Israel, wasn't it? So will I save you and you shall be, what? A blessing. He wants us to be a blessing. Fear not, let your hands be strong. Thus said the Lord of hosts, as I thought to punish you when your fathers provoked me, and repented not, he says, so again, I've thought in these days to do well unto unto Jerusalem. That's the house, that's us. Fear ye not. And then he talks about, uh, speak the truth, execute judgment, be peace in your gates, don't imagine evil against, love them the false oath. And then he says these extraordinary words in verse 18. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the tenth month. Now, I know enough from Leviticus to know those are not feasts of the Lord. Those are not feasts of the Lord. It's the wrong month. see? And this is the wrong month. And they said, Lord, what is this? And you can read about it in Jeremiah, actually, where everything is it, the, what this is referring to is what happened to God's house, and this has happened to a lot of god's people, and this is tragic, but this is the gospel the gospel comes to us and says, where there's been failure, there can be success where there's been a downturn, there can be an upturn where there's been failure, there can be success and and this is and this, this this fourth month was the capture of Jerusalem prophesied by Jeremiah and Isaiah. The second, the fifth month was the temple was destroyed. The seventh month was the treachery of one of the good people that were returned to help reestablish the people in the land. Some of them were all taken into captivity, and he was murdered. And because he was murdered. The they, the captors of of God's people, Babylon, they blockaded Jerusalem to stop any more people going in. I say, well, what is all this, Lord? What is going on? You see, there are a lot of people in bondage. You know, I remember Henry used to get people up; they were in a religious bondage, and he said, "Jump for Jesus!" You know, he'd get people set free because they were like they were out of the tomb, but they were all bound up. You know, with grave clothes. They couldn't lift their hands up. They couldn't praise the Lord. They couldn't dance, you know, in the present. They don't think it's right. But, you see, this is the point. As this old preacher says, no feasting, no Christianity. We're supposed to rejoice in the Lord. We're supposed to lift up our hands and give thanks. Why? Because this is God's provision for us, his people. And, And, you know, it's an extraordinary thing. So the gospel's ultimate effect... Produces joy and a spirit of rejoicing. God is in the business of restoring your temple. Yeah. He's in the business of saying, You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 6. And saying, God is in you. And He wants you to function as a temple of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to know His righteousness is work of sanctification and the glory of God in your house. He wants you to have this. And this is what he's saying to me. He's saying, this saith the Lord of hosts, this is the fast. He says, and it shall be to the house of Judah joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore, love the truth and peace. Thus says the Lord, it shall come to pass that there shall come people, inhabitants of cities, and the inhabitants of one city. Let us go speedily to pray to the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. This is it. And secondly, it's a condition of joy. It's a feasting despite what has gone on. Yeah. We can rejoice no matter what the devil's done in the church. We can be part of that church that says no matter what, the blockade, the destruction of this house. I've seen God destroy people down in Wales. People were called to minister, and the enemies got in and destroyed them. Why? Because they didn't understand what they had. They didn't understand the glory of the gospel. They didn't understand the power of the gospel. They didn't understand what was in their house. And this is what the prophet is saying, but you, you're going to rejoice Yeah, you're going to rejoice. And I thought, Lord, I am is returned to Zion. Yeah. I am is come back to Zion. And I've got to realize who I am, what I am, so that I can function in the way God wants me to function. No matter what goes on around you, you know, the desolation of God's people and God's house God is saying, said to me, this is the fast of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts, and love the truth and peace. And that's what I'm determined to do. He's going to direct my way into fasting. Now, Isaiah 58, I think it's Isaiah 58, says, uh, it was Psalm 138, I was reading this psalm, and this is what he says. David says this, I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods. Yeah, before all that's going on in this world. I will sing praise unto you. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. For in the day when I cry, thou answerest and strengthest me with strength in my soul. And all the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. And he says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the work of thine hands. He's going to perfect it in you. He's going to perfect it in me. Yeah, because we're going to rejoice. We're going to say the table has been laid, the feast is open, and no matter what's gone on around you, the destruction of God's house, the blockade, the murder of people, whatever dis- is gone wrong in your life or, and the church around you, we can be a people of power and praise. We can. I believe we can. We can rejoice. And we will rejoice. And this is David's secret, you see. Why was David a man after God's own heart? He lived in a backslidden Israel A king that didn't care tuppence where the ark was. Isn't that right? Saul, he he never once asked, where is the ark? And we got people in the church. His brother Chun said, uh, he came from China, remember that heavenly man, some of you heard him. And he said he came to the West and he was so, he said he could not make out why all these big churches had so much going on and yet the Holy Spirit wasn't there. The program was going on, but nothing was happening, he said. Oh, what a tragedy. But we can be a people that have the presence. We can have, be a people that have the glory. Because we, despite, as Zechariah says to us, oh yeah, all that's happened, but this is a feast of joy and gladness. You can start feasting on me, on the Lord. And this is the restoration of your temple. And you know, the stronger you get in your inner man, the stronger your body is going to get. That's how I feel. The stronger I'm inside, the stronger I'm outside. You know, if we want health, it comes from the inside out. Definitely. No question about it. You know, uh, as we were talking last night about the prayer of Ephesians. The Ephesian prayer is that you might be strengthened by might, by his spirit, in the inner man. You've got an inner man. You must feed your inner man. And the devil wants to make your life so busy that you no longer... With all this other stuff, and it's, not, and it's not easy when we've got families, grandchildren, all this, we've got to get our priority right. We've got to get it centered on Christ and His word. And in order to have what that, that this is what Isaiah prophet says in Isaiah 58 and maybe this is what I'm you know, the Lord is trying to get through to me to do more of, is to believe in the power that's available, but there is a price to be paid, isn't there? And, and, I, and I know that we must believe for it, he says. Isaiah 58. He talks about the fast. They say they fasted, but this is what Isaiah the prophet said Is, not, is it such a fast that I have chosen? Is it not this the fast I have chosen, verse 6? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. The fast leads to the feasting. Mm. You fast from this, natural, to eat the spiritual, and you get blessed. Yeah, you fast from this to enter into the spirit, and you feast on the lamb, the word, and that feeds your inner man, And now you get strong and you can help somebody then. You can pray for somebody and they will be blessed. Why? Because you've done your part. And God is saying to you, you can do it. You can do it. You're called. You're called as a king and a priest. You're called to be that person who can triumph. You know, um, Alison was reading it to us, Isaiah 6, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, when the glory comes, his train fills the whole temple. The train of triumph, that wonderful robes. Do you know, I was thinking, what a wonderful salvation we've got. What a tremendous salvation we've got. You know, the religion wants to devalue everything, to rote and regulations and performance. It's got to look right. no. Whenever Jesus went, it didn't look right. You know, people were taking the roof off, you know, and people were coming down through the roof. Didn't look right, did it? No. And then there's some chap carrying his bed down the, you know, down the street, you know. Some blo- bloke carrying his bed down the street. Well, you know, you don't normally see people carrying their bed down the street, do you? And the Pharisee, said, what are you doing carrying your bed down the street? Well, I, I've been crippled for 38 years. And somebody, and who was it? Oh, I don't know, he said. I don't know who you was. And they said, you don't know who it was? And yet, you, you reckon you've been a cripple? They obviously didn't believe him, did they? <laughs> and he's carrying his bed down the tree. <laughs> you know, this is Jesus, isn't it? Oh, I, I tell you what, I don't like religion. I just don't, can't stick it. Do you know, religion's got a smell to it. It stinketh. <laughs> but, but I like the sons and daughters of God. they got a fragrance. <laughs> they smell good. <laughs> There's a joy about them, isn't there? There's happiness about them. It's wonderful. Yeah. Isaiah, Zachariah said, you start feasting. You start rejoicing. Yeah, all this has happened. But don't worry. I am has come to Zion. <laughs> I am's come. And Jesus has come. <laughs> yeah, and he's here with us. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> it's exciting, isn't he, Jesus? <laughs> it's a wonderful thing what the Lord has given us. And, and you know, he says, Far, is it not to deal your bread to the hungry? Then he said, then shall your light break forth as the morning, and your, or like this bit, and your health shall spring forth speedily your health shall spring forth speedily <laughs> hallelujah and righteousness shall go before you and what the glory of the Lord shall be your re-reward oh is it wonderful <laughs> do you know God can just do things, Jesus can just do things can't he, that we can't do isn't it wonderful? Do you know, I, I think whatever you're going through, the grace of God comes with the provision of God. Because but the, grace is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, grace is not a doctrine, it's a person. <laughs> it's Jesus, <laughs> isn't it? It's by grace, and we're in this kingdom of grace. Let's understand it. And what is what is gumming the church up? is works. Works, that's what Adam had, was works. And he failed in his works. And whenever we try in religious works to achieve what Christ has already achieved and paid for, that is unbelief. Because belief believes it's all been paid for. And grace was set up on the throne. I'm going to give you a seed that's going to crush the serpent's head. And that's Christ. And he did. He bruised his heel, yeah. But he came out of the tomb, didn't he? Oh, and when Mary Mary was there in the garden and Jesus said to her, Mary, my, her mind was exploding. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? And you know, sometimes we feel it's all finished. But no, you start rejoicing. You start feasting. And you start seeking the Lord, and Jesus turns up. I am come to Zion. <laughs> yeah, I am come. And, where, and you know, Zechariah is a wonderful book. And I'm, you know, he talks about the rain and all this, and the latter rain coming down. And, uh, and I was thinking, it, it's, it's the time of restoration, isn't it? It's the time when God wants to set us completely free, from everything that harms us and comes against us. You know, we sing that song, Isaiah, Zechariah 10, ask ye of the Lord, rain in the time of the latter rain and he shall give you showers, bright clouds and showers to everyone, grass in the field. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh. Well, he is come. And this is what I feel the Lord saying to you, I am come to Zion. That's us. He's come to you. He's come to me. And I'm saying, Lord, help me to grasp this. When I wake up in the morning and I'm facing these different problems and these different situations I'm facing, I've got I am with me. Yeah. I am is with you. Come on. You can do this. The great I am is with you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's in the glory now. As we said yesterday about John 12, Jesus said, If any man serve me, that where I am, he will be. And my Father will come and honour him. Well, where is Jesus? He's sitting at the right hand of the Majesty on high. That's where he sits. And Ephesians tells me, I'm sitting with him. I've got a seat up there. And I tell you what, I've got to learn to take my place You've got a place in Zion, and that's where you take. And when Jesus starts to minister to you, everything changes. Thank God for every ministry, every pastor, evangelist, teacher, you know, whatever. But you have got access. I'm new. You've got access right up into your place in heavenly places. Come on, let's read it. And It's in Hebrews 12. And this is what we're supposed to be, to realize what we have. This is who we've come to, Paul says in Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a witnesses, lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily, and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, is finally set down on the throne of God. And then he goes on and on and on and, on and makes stretch plates, etc., etc. And then he says, But you, that's you, and me tonight, t- this morning, we have come to Mount Zion. This is Mount Zion again. This is the heavenly Jerusalem. You know, Connie was always singing about it. <laughs> Wouldn't she? You know, people are in Jerusalem now, scratching around with their travels and getting up bits of pot shirt and all this and removing dirt. But it ain't coming there. It's coming down from heaven. Yeah, it's coming down. <laughs> the new Jerusalem. <laughs> no, it's not going to be out there. <laughs> They got it wrong. I might be wrong, but I think they got it wrong. <laughs> it's coming down from heaven, the new Jerusalem. And we're getting ready. Are you getting ready? Are you preparing yourself? Are you getting your temple fit? Are you getting it fit for Jesus to live in, blo- in the glory in your house? You know, is there praise and adoration and worship going up from you every day? Or is it the moon? Isn't no, we've got to start praising yeah, offering up spiritual sacrifices, and when you feel like moaning and groaning, you say, "No, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise God." I know Merlin Carruthers you know, wrote a book when we were young Christian. He said, "You can come out of this pit out by praise." That he called it the praise cure. Yeah, and we can. It's praise, isn't it? It's Thanksgiving. God responds to praise and thanksgiving. He said, we come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of what? The firstborn. Well, you're the firstborn. We're all the firstborn. We've begotten of God, aren't we? We're part of this this assembly, aren't we? We're not on our own. You're not on your own, Irene. No, you're not. We, we got, we're part of the Church of the Firstborn. <laughs> when we're surrounded with all these religious people, with all their, and every time you see them, they got some sort of, oh, tale of woe. But well, we should have a tale of joy and gladness and happiness, isn't it? Because we've got the Lord in our house. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? He says, that the innumerable company to the General Assembly of the Firstborn written in heaven, to, and to who? Jesus. Is to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than out of Abel. Thank you, Lord. I tell you what, I'm, I'm encouraged in the Lord. Are you? Yes. You've been encouraged in the Lord to take your place. Yes. Whatever you're facing, grace is available through faith. Amen. Through faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and all you need to do is get a word from God. And when you can get a word from God, and you believe it, grace starts moving in your life. And where sin is attacking your life, grace is much more powerful. You are a new man. You are a new woman, with a new destiny, and you're on your way to what you God, Jesus said. And, and I would encourage you in these days ahead, you know, and I've been, I've been saying this to our little group, you know, you've got, you've got John 11 and 12, about the resurrection of Lazarus, haven't you, in John's Gospel. And then you've got John 13, the Passover, and how he was, you know, betrayed by him, and how he went into Gethsemane. But John 14, 15, 16... And 17, why, what truth Jesus has given us. What tremendous truth in those chapters. We've got to understand that Jesus not only did all that for us, he's not only done all that, paid in full our debt, and brought us out of death into life, but he's actually gone to prepare a place for us. You know, he's he's getting it all ready. He's getting it all ready. And you know, this feasting, do you know the, the first thing that's going to happen when we get there? There's going to be a marriage feast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah it's, it's all about joy. This is what Zacharias into to the church. Yeah, all this has happened. Your temple's destroyed. Your city's destroyed. Your best man, your leader, has been murdered. And now you've got a blockade. But don't worry, I am. It's come. I am is come. And when I am comes everything and you start realising that you got I am with you, you'll start rejoicing. You'll start praising. Will you start you you'll go for it. As Alan said last night, Peter didn't fully understand everything when he was told to Do you love me, Lord? But at Pentecost it all changed. Yeah, it all changed. He had a download from heaven. (laughs) Yeah, and Pentecost has come and the Holy Spirit is come and he's here now and we say come Holy Spirit yeah come Holy Spirit and fill me fill me fill me fill Fill this temple isn't it be being filled with the Spirit and it is the purpose of the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ and the great I am in your life It's the Holy Spirit we have to activate the Holy Spirit we have to use our faith we are a a voice activated person (laughs) Yeah, it activates something. When you start to, to speak it, isn't it? It's, it's what he says in Zechariah 4. You, with shoutings of grace, grace to that mountain. What is that mountain? Grace is more powerful because grace is Jesus Christ. And he's conquered it for you and for me. Isn't it wonderful? Oh, I tell you. <laughs> It's a wonderful, wonderful gospel we got. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it. Well, I'm a believer, are you? I'm a believer this morning. I'm going to believe what God has said in giving me Jesus. And I'm going to enter in. Henry was always saying, come on, enter in. Enter in. And he's right, isn't it? You've got to enter in. You've got to do it. Nobody else can do it for you. You've just got to do it, <laughs> haven't you? Yep. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at the uh, that joint. No, it's been that's it's been quickened. It's been quickened. Yeah. I'm being quickened. You can be quickened. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that life is working in you. Yeah. Read John 15. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. John 15 says. Jesus says. I am the vine, and you are the branch. My father's the husbandman. The life is flowing. It's flowing from the head. I'm part of the body. Are you part of the body? Yeah. And it's flowing into you. So praise the Lord this morning. Amen. Isn't it wonderful what the Lord has done? Amen. Isn't it wonderful? And we've got a wonderful gospel. We've got a wonderful salvation. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and thank him. For this so great a salvation. Thank you Lord Jesus. For what you did for us. Oh we thank you Jesus. We thank you Lord. For this tremendous salvation. For this tremendous salvation. It's a glorious salvation. It's a wonderful salvation. That you've accomplished for us Lord. Help us to enter in. Help us to receive everything we need from you today Lord. Whatever our need is. You supplied it according to your riches in glory by christ jesus we receive it lord we take it lord we take whatever we need lord because it's on that table because it's been paid in full we receive it we take it now lord whatever the need is in these lives lord we take what you have provided the riches of your grace the riches of the inheritance of the of the saints in light That all these saints would experience your riches, the weight of your glory. Help us to grow and develop and be strong people. Be strong in the power, the strong in the power of his might. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.